You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to do my best to get excited. Um, I had my half-Mexican attorney, Blaine, send me pictures of some steaks that he's going to make for the Super Bowl. And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, bro, I forgot there was a football game on. I'm not going to lie. So... I'm going to try to make it cool. We might do a watch party. I don't know. I don't know. It's the last football game of the year. Should probably, I'm making some pulled pork. I'm going to try something different. Um, I've been on my um, my kick of, uh, I can never remember what it's called, my Dutch oven that I got, enameled cast iron Dutch oven thing. And um, my son's been begging me to grill. We did it once. We did the pork chops. Those were delicious. And uh, I got a pork butt, and I'm like, man, I, I got this because I wanted to see if I could do something in the uh, Dutch oven. So I was kind of back and forth. Should I do grills? Should I do Dutch oven? I was like, why don't you do both? Because even in the Dutch oven, they're like, well, you got to sear it off real good, and then you put it in here and you kind of let it cook. It's like, well, why don't we just smoke it to develop those flavors, and then we'll put the, the drippings. I'll put a drip tray under it. We'll put the drippings in there because I, I usually hold it in my oven anyways. It's just usually wrapped in foil. This time I'll just put it in the uh, the old Dutchie. I'll let that bad boy sit overnight. And we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm, I'm also debating whether I should add other flavors and stuff to it. I probably shouldn't just to get kind of a baseline, like, is this the new best thing in the world or was this a stupid idea? But I'm kind of tempted to do something. I'll probably just not mess with it, though. I'll throw the drippings in there, and if there's not enough liquid, then maybe I'll uh, have to do something else. I don't know. But just put that bad boy all the way on low and let her let her chill. But anyways, it is Super Bowl Sunday, so let's get all jacked up and excited and whatnot. It's been kind of a crazy Super Bowl. I'm I'm surprised to see so many people are there right now. Uh, it seems like everybody that's made it went to the Super Bowl, and I'm like, dang, was I supposed to go this year? Like I I, I didn't know this was like, unless you suck, you should be at the Super Bowl with like your own little stand and everything doing interviews. I, I didn't know. Nobody told me. So I guess I got to work on that. What do, what do you have to do to get in there? How much is that? I should, what, what do you, what, what's the deal here? I don't plan ahead. I don't think of freaking anything. Maybe that'll be my goal this year. Not that I want to do that. I've always said I don't want to like do interviews and go to the Packers thing and ask the coaches quite, because I don't know what the heck to talk. I don't know. I don't know. But it's at least a goal. I haven't had a goal to shoot for in a long time. I'm just, I got this freaking podcast on cruise control. And as long as it keeps trickling upwards, it's like, all right, I guess we're good. Got to set goals in life, man. Who wants to go to the Super Bowl next year? Where is it? New Orleans? Dude, I'll go to New Orleans. You kidding me? Sounds dope. But anyways, uh, a couple specific shout outs. First off, um, I noticed Dara from Ireland was there. Um, 
it was just kind of cool to see him there because I, I remember when was that? I went back and found it. I think it was 2019. I'm not going to read it because I don't want to, you know, be kind of a jerk about it. But, and I'm sure he sent this to like hundreds of people, but, you know, he sent me this four paragraph thing just basically saying, like, look, I, I want to make this a career. Uh, he's 16 years old at the time. He said he's obsessed with the Packers. He listens to the podcast. He's really into the NFL. He's really learning the schemes and the coverage and the play calls. And he said, you know, basically he doesn't have a, a sports journalism degree and he wants to get into sports journalism. And so, you know, this was this is 2020. So, I mean, dude, is, he went from 16 years old, you know, three-ish years ago, just asking around, like, how do I get started? And in a little over three years, he's at the Super Bowl, like shaking hands with people. So uh, he did come on and work with us for a very brief period of time, um, kind of skyrocketed. I, I knew, and I think everybody that was here knew that he was kind of destined for bigger things. So it was just kind of a stepping stone deal. And I uh, was excited to see him continue to grow as time went on. And uh, yeah, just seeing him there, that was a pretty cool deal. So happy for him. And also obviously got to give a big shout out to Tom Grassi representing Packer fans. Um, it's another guy that we've all kind of watched from afar, at least as uh, whether you're a regular daily consumer or just kind of a casual observer, it's been cool to kind of see uh, guys like, I mean, every, everybody in the space, I think, is, is doing well and is growing, but it's, it's just cool to see some people are, are really moving at a lightning pace. And Tom Grassi has, uh, I mean, he, he kind of blew up and then it felt like, you know, that was just kind of what he was. He was this big YouTuber and he was on a steady pace, just like a lot of guys are. You know, like Boss right now, I just saw he's at like 50K. It was, I remember like when he cracked 10,000 or whatever, I was like, dang, man, he's really killing it. And he stuck with it and I didn't, and now he's 50,000. I'm still sitting like a thousand more than I had because I don't use YouTube. But, but uh, yeah, and then, then he got like a commercial or whatever. He was in a commercial, so that was pretty cool. And then he uh, raised a half a million dollars for, was it St. Jude's? It was, it was for children. I know that. Going uh, to all the different stadiums. And as a result, got recognized as fan of the year. So, I mean, it sucks that the Packers got absolutely snubbed in so many different ways. I mean, coach of the year and executive of the year were a freaking no-brainer for the Green Bay Packers. But I guess getting fan of the year, um, pretty nice consolation prize, I suppose. So good for him. Good for Dara. Congrats to everybody else who had a really awesome year. I know uh, over at Packernet, things are going pretty well, at least from my perspective. Clayton, JJ, and Jake might all have different perspectives. I don't know. <laughs> They're still here, though. But yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of another season in the books. As I've mentioned, I'm kind of just excited for it to be over with. Uh, not the season, necessarily. That's that's kind of a sad note. But the, uh, the, the Super Bowl, so that we can kind of move on to uh, the rest of what's going on. Get really invested in the offseason and get this thing rocking and freaking rolling, man. But anyways, freaking Chiefs 49ers, whoop-de-doo commercials and halftime. Who is the halftime person? Do we know? We have to know, right? Probably known for several months. Oh, Usher. That's right. I did know that. That'll probably be all right, right? Gonna have those backup dancers just doing stupid stuff. Why Why? why can we not figure something else out other than backup dancers? Backup dancers, have, have they ever done anything cool? Because last year, that was ridiculous. They were like crawling on the floor like dogs and stuff. It was so stupid. Do something else. Just put yourself out there with some pyrotechnics and freaking, I don't know, flaming swords. Do something cool. These freaking people dressed as marshmallows crawling on the floor is so stupid. 
But uh, injuries, we've got, um, looks like a pretty healthy San Francisco 49ers team. I mean, they got some injuries, but most of them are probable. Trent Williams, Eric Armstead, Oren Burks, George Kittle, Ambry Thomas, and Kalia Davis. And then on the other side, you've got a pretty banged up Kansas City Chiefs team. Uh, Joe Thune, Jarek McKinnon, and Prince Tega Wanogo are all out. Then you've got Richie James, Chris Jones, Sky Moore, Isaiah Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, Legereus Sneed, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire are all probable but banged up. Now, I don't know if that is contributing to this Vegas line or if it really is just the 49ers are expected to be better. I don't know. I haven't been paying attention to much discourse about this, but I find that relatively shocking. Um, I don't think the 49ers have played necessarily their best. Now, listen. If, if we're talking 49ers at what we've seen them at, at their best, compared to the Kansas City Chiefs kind of being a little floundery, um, yeah, 49ers are a significantly better team. But the, the way I'm looking at it is the 49ers have kind of been a little soft in the middle. You know, again, they should have lost to the Packers. Packers friggin' blew that. Um, I think the Lions at least had a chance, which I, I, I just have not seen this mega elite um, Goliath. And Brock Purdy, at the very least, has has really kind of struggled, especially against the Packers. And it's just so hard to count out the Chiefs in the postseason. I mean, I, I no matter what you throw at them, they just don't stop. So, I personally expect the Kansas City Chiefs to win. Um, I'm I'm strangely overconfident in that, and and I'm probably going to be massively disappointed if it doesn't turn out that way because I just I have so little doubt in my mind that the Chiefs are going to be able to get this done. Um, but I don't know, man. We'll see. We will see. And yes, do not fear. Taylor Swift is expected to be there. It's actually, I found it kind of interesting that, um, she has a concert to, well, yesterday in Japan, but because of the whole like international dateline thing, which I didn't even think about until like, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago when I saw somebody doing this, I was like, oh, that's crazy. We actually go back in time. When you fly like from Japan to the U S you go back a day. So I know everybody's mad at me talking Taylor Swift, but I just, I thought that was kind of funny. There's also an interesting theory in terms of why the 49ers are favored. And I I, I don't know that this is a thing or not. I, I tend to think that this is fake, but there's a theory that it's about balancing the books. And that's because the, there were a ton of futures waivers on the 49ers, meaning there's already a ton of money in on the 49ers. So they, do plus two for the 49ers to entice some Chiefs bets to balance out the books. Again, I don't know if that's actually a thing that happened, but that could also be contributing to why. Now, why the Chiefs weren't necessarily getting a ton of futures bets, I don't know, um, but whatever. So I wanted to drop like a score prediction. And I, I again, I'm just looking at the 49ers. I mean, nothing super intense, just, just kind of looking at their scores recently. And it's like, bro, you're not that good. You barely beat the Lions, okay? You barely beat the Packers. You lost to the Rams before that. You beat the Commanders commandingly, but who gives a crap? It's the Commanders. Then you got the crap beat out of you by Baltimore. Then you beat up on Arizona, who sucks. Like, dude, you just... It's just, it's not that impressive. Like, 45-29 Arizona, like, that's relatively impressive because you really put the pedal to the metal to, to beat them, I guess. But still, but what have you done since that? Like since, since that game, 
27-10 against Washington is the only thing where you kind of go, oh, I guess. Like, the Chiefs just beat the Ravens. I feel like that in and of itself is impressive, and they did it by seven. They only allowed the Ravens to score 10 points. That's pretty freaking impressive. And the Bills, who are a very impressive team, it was only three points, but still, I mean, you're talking Packers and Lions compared to Bills and Ravens. And a Packers team that kind of just didn't show up super great? I don't know, man. Chiefs offense hasn't done jack squat recently, but that defense is out of control, dude. You know who scored the most points against the Chiefs this year? Packers. 27 points is the most they gave up the entire year. Second most was 24 just to Buffalo this past uh, couple weeks ago. Also, the Broncos randomly. Oh, I'm feeling like a 25-20 Kansas City kind of deal. 25-20 Kansas City. That's my prediction for the game. Anyways, why don't we take our first break? We'll come back and... uh... We'll do a little bit more Packers talk and NFL talk and other stuff. I just, I just, I can't talk about this for a full episode. I just can't. We'll try to end on a light note, though. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So another thing that happened is they had the awards. We already talked about Grassi, obviously. Um, one of the more controversial ones was Lamar Jackson winning MVP. Obviously, it wasn't that surprising, but there's a interesting dynamic about it in terms of should he have won, and I think the answer to that question is no. Obviously, we go back into the you know value thing. 
I wish, you know what I wish is if they would just define it. Why doesn't the NFL or, or the voters or whoever define what that means? Are you actually using the literal term value and you're trying to stick to advanced analytics? Which I saw a um, little Twitter spat going on uh, between some Packers guys about whether or not they're using advanced analytics. And the funny thing is, I think it was, what, 29 out of 30 or however many voters voted for Lamar Jackson. And the one that didn't is an advanced analytics guy, Aaron Schatz, who came up with DVOA. But even still, I think he voted for Brock Purdy, which would come back to the value thing. So again, I don't want to do this diatribe for like the third time. I, I, I don't really understand it other than maybe we should just make a separate category. Because I understand that the quarterback did probably provide the most value of anybody. Whoever the best quarterback was, was the most valuable, like literally the most valuable player. But what I think the fans expect is most extraordinary player. I think that's what the fans want. Like, who was the most extraordinary player? And that there should be an award for that. Because you've got running backs and wide receivers and tight ends doing things that haven't been done for like 20 years, and you got quarterbacks that kind of suck this year. You know, there's no history-breaking thing going on, not that I'm aware of. Brock Purdy's not deserving of anything, and neither is Lamar Jackson. So, you know, if you want to create an award that is a literal MVP award, then fine. And again, That's very easily defined, and you don't need voters for that. We have advanced analytics that can just hand that award out. And by the way, 29 out of the 30 are complete freaking morons. Why do we have media people doing this? I don't understand that. Why are people that write about sports... I mean, I understand maybe 50 years ago, because these are the people that cover the sports, so they're more well-versed in it, but, bro, it is 2024. 50% of NFL fans are as versed in this as writers are. So some of them much more so. And maybe the, the majority of a lot of fans' understanding is fantasy football, but even that is somewhat more valuable than what we're seeing from some of this voting nonsense. So I, I just think this is going to be a constant controversy until it gets fixed, and I don't know why they don't just fix it, uh, other than it's tradition. We do MVP, offensive player, defensive player, et cetera, et cetera. But I just think it's stupid. You know, most valuable player probably should have been Brock Purdy. Most exceptional player should have been Christian McCaffrey. And then I guess offensive player of the year is still Christian McCaffrey, or, or unless there's some other criteria. Is it like the third place offensive guy now? Defensive player of the year was Miles Garrett. Coach of the year was Kevin Stefanski, which I just find... I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say about that. Why would be my question, I guess. I mean, 11-6 and six is a pretty good season, but so what? You've got like the number one defense in football. Well, maybe not, but you've got a really good defense, and then you went to the playoffs and got the living crap beat out of you in the first round. What did Kevin Stefanski do? Like, oh, we lost our quarterback. Bro, you lost a quarterback that played like garbage last year and had a backup come in and play really well. Am I supposed to credit you for a veteran quarterback playing well like you made him good? What, are we just going to pretend to be stupid about this? It's like, well, what about the defense? Bro, assistant coach of the year was Jim Schwartz. What, are we supposed to give you both credit for the defense? So it's not you, it was Schwartz that did the defense and largely the players. So, so because Joe Flacco played kind of well and your defense carried your team, you win coach of the year. That's freaking amazing. These voters are morons. Oh, excuse me, it wasn't 29 out of 30, it was 49 out of frickin' 50. And then again, Jim Schwartz won Assistant Coach of the Year, which, I mean, I guess, you know, DVOA had him as the second best defense. 
did give up a good amount of points all year. You've also got the uh, defensive player of the year, so I, I feel like that should be deducted from our understanding and our view of things, but whatever. Comeback player of the year, Joe Flacco, Cleveland Browns. So Cleveland Browns just clean sweep. And again, how does everybody win it? If Stefanski did it because he was the best coach, then why are we giving credit to Schwartz and Flacco and Miles Garrett? Maybe it's because you have the defensive player of the year, the assistant coach of the year, and the comeback quarterback of the year. Maybe that's the reason that the team was good and the coach shouldn't have gotten anything. Just, I don't, I don't freaking understand. Offensive rookie of the year, CJ Stroud, that was a no-brainer. Defensive rookie of the year, Will Anderson. Walter Payton man of the year, Cam Hayward. The FedEx air and ground players of the year were Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey. Those are fan votes. So again, if you need any proof that the fans know more than these media morons, that's probably the right answer. (laughs) And then on and on down the line, different uh, people, the advertisers get to give away awards and whatnot. So FedEx, Captain Morgan, fan of the year, things like that. But uh, zero Packers. Um, I I really think coach of the year should have been Matt LaFleur. I I just, I mean, if you want to say D'Amico Ryans, I think that's fine. And he, you know, he apparently tied in votes, but, you know, there was one more first place vote for Stefanski. So whatever. I don't know why Stefanski got a single freaking vote, but that's fine. And then the Hall of Fame class, we've got Devin Hester, Dwight Freeney, Andre Johnson, Randy Gratishar. Patrick Willis, Steve McMichael, and Julius Peppers. I, by the way, have no issue with guys like Devin Hester being in. In fact, I would put Devin Hester in before I would put in a lot of these other guys. Because again, I view the Hall of Fame as a place where only exceptional players go. And um, by exceptional, I mean, my definition would be sort of a rare person. And so I don't give a crap if you're kicking or returning or what you're doing. The point is, in the history of the NFL, if you can only count on one hand the amount of people that were able to do what you could do, you should be in the Hall of Fame. And instead, we cram 65 different guards in there, 150 different, you know, running backs. It's like, how how exceptional are you if you're one of like a thousand? And that's the problem I have with like the Hall of Fame cramming so many people in. And I understand there's a lot of deserving, legendary people and whatnot, but it's just, we're so focused on cramming in the big names that there's exceptional people like Devin Hester, where he is one of one, and he doesn't get in because of the role that he had. That's the point of the Hall of Fame. If, if, if I talk about a phase of football, a thing that was done, and the name that comes up in everybody's mouth is Devin Hester, what else is there? I mean, maybe if you say like greatest receiver of all time, Jerry Rice. But that's the thing. It's, it's like Jerry Rice, he gets in the, 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 is, you know, immediately. Devin Hester, for a lot of people, he would never even get in. You better believe the greatest of every other sort is going to be in there. So Devin Hester absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Um, Dwight Freeney is sort of one of those guys that, I mean, he, he's going to be a Hall of Famer because he was very good. How many guys can you think of that were as good or better than Dwight Freeney? I mean, just in the NFL right now, there's probably at least one handful worth. But and I don't mean to be, you know, I don't know, rude to Freeney or Andre Johnson or anybody else. These are very good football players. I'm just, I'm just saying. But obviously, Julius Peppers is. Um, I'm happy for him. I'm excited for him. One of the biggest athletic freaks I think that the NFL has seen. 
the guy is like an offensive tackle that can move like a linebacker playing as a pass rusher. I mean, he's just an absolute monster. So good for him. Too bad we couldn't have got him a ring, but happy to see that he is in the Hall of Fame class. Anyways, that nonsense aside, um, a lot of the people that have been there, they've got their TV shows and their YouTube shows, whatever shows. And so there's a lot of talking going on. One of the people that is interviewing uh, NFL players and whatnot is Kay Adams. And uh, here she is talking to Romeo Dobbs about Jordan Love. Well, can you tell me about Jordan Love from week one to where he is now? What's the biggest difference? I mean, I knew coming in that Jordan was, I knew coming in that Jordan was nice. Um, but it was obvious that when Aaron took off that it was a lot of questioning. And I don't shame that because that's normal, you know, just in the sports industry. However, uh, he went through his trials and tribulations, but he was able to figure out, get it going. And, you know, I'm excited for him. I'm thankful to be, you know, on this journey with him. And, you know, Jordan's that dude. So I, I personally, I just like being able to hear these guys. We don't really hear much. I mean, you get, you get the minor little interviews and you kind of hear their voice more or less. And they give these little canned answers and whatnot. But, you know, here they're kind of kicked back in Vegas. They're having a good time, especially Jordan, man. He is kicking back, and he just looks super relaxed. He is super happy. He's he's probably hearing from his agent some of the numbers that are about to come his way, and he's just, he is all smiles. But, you know, the, the question that she asked specifically was, you know, kind of about Jordan and, and what got him to, you know, break out. And, you know, Romeo basically just said, because he's that dude. But here is Steve Calhoun. This is his well-known quarterback, coach, mentor, etc., um, talking to, I don't know who this is, but uh, Kyle Brust and Nortman. Five, right? And all things yeah. were, were looking down. I actually was in Vegas for the Raiders game, and those were those were a couple of interceptions that I know that, like, you know, took a lot of us, like, oh, is that, is that what we're going to get used to? Is that growing pains? Then it, then it sw- the switch flipped. I would say a lot of people point to Pittsburgh. What was said to him by you, or what did you notice when things started to change around that time period last year? Well, I just think um, I think Coach LaFleur, and this is just only my opinion, I think Coach LaFleur was trying to protect Jordan in his first year of starting, so he really wasn't opening up the playbook. But I think, you know, Jordan had shown, you know, in practices and over, you know, those few games that he can handle any, any type of the play calling that Coach LaFleur wanted to present to him. And I think, you know, uh, Coach LaFleur just, you know, unleashed him. Said, okay, hey, I'm going to call the offense the way I would call it. If, you know, if, if Aaron Rodgers was in there, and I'm going to let you make the checks and the perfections and, and the line calls, and, and, and just, it's, it's yours. So, hey, we're going we're gonna to ride with you. And I think that's, again, in my opinion, that's what I think happened. Um, he just said, okay, we're, we're going to win with you, lose with you, but I'm going to give you the whole playbook. And uh, let's see what happens. And I think the fact that Jordan was able to sit behind Aaron and learn from him uh, for the last, you know, three, three and a half years, I think, you know, he, he had matured and, and, and developed. And, and his teammates, I think, saw that. And then uh, and I think Coach, Coach Ford said, okay, you know, I'm going to give you the keys to the car. I'm not going to tell you how fast to drive it, but just take care of the car. And, it was uh, a Ferrari, baby. Happened. <laughs> yeah, so... Again, I love all this because it's it's still for me anyways a question and so being able to hear from different people about, you know, a switch flipped. Even even listening to I think yesterday or 2 days ago CJ Stroud kind of going through his process and how, you know, kind of trial by fire or uh diamonds are made from pressure or whatever stupid thing you want to say. 
But, you know, they started blitzing him like crazy, and he had to just adapt. And he had to, you know, it's it's sink or swim. And that switch flipped. And so we obviously saw a big switch flip for Jordan Love. So it's just great hearing, you know, Romeo saying, yeah, dude, he's he is legit for sure. And hearing his quarterback coach say, yeah, I think he just kind of, they opened up the offense. They saw what he could do. They gave it to him, and, and that's the result. They also talked a little bit about how Aaron Rodgers had helped Jordan Love through this. And, and obviously, you know, all the petty nonsense that happened down the stretch aside, there are two main things that we owe a debt of gratitude for for Aaron Rodgers. Number one is 15 years of elite quarterback play and some great Packers teams. Number two is helping get Jordan Love where he is right now. Here's that same show talking about Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. What did Jordan Love say about his relationship with Aaron Rodgers, both when he was sitting underneath him and how it is today? Oh, I, I mean, he only had uh, nothing but you know uh, great things to say about Aaron. You know, um, even though it, was, it wasn't really broadcast out in the media, but he said you know Aaron was very helpful in in, in his growth. Uh, him learning the offense and becoming a professional and just how to handle things, you know, being in Green Bay. I mean, that's a special place. And uh, he said Aaron was very helpful with him, you know, becoming the quarterback that he is now. And they still have a great relationship and, and they still talk to each other, you know, uh, from time to time. And, you know, if Jordan never has questions. I know he, he, you know, he's able to reach out to, to, to Aaron and, and Aaron, uh, you know, is, is more than willing to, you know, provide some of the answers and some of his experiences to help Jordan's, uh, career you know stay as smooth as possible what's the next step for jordan like what is the next step that he needs to do he needs to improve on in order to reach that ultimate ceiling of being that next great quarterback where i think elite hall of fame type quarterback um i really just believe to continue to focus on the fundamentals um that we've been working on the last 11 years um uh, he got away from some of that um you know just throwing off the back foot uh, you know, throwing off balance, you know, I, I, there's times in, in, in situations where you need to do that, but it cannot become consistent in your game because I think some bad things could arise from that. So, I mean, that's my plan this offseason, just to continue to, to, to work on those things and make them, you know, become second nature. Um, but I think if he does that, I think uh, you guys are going to have a great quarterback uh, in Green Bay for the next 10, 11 years. Hey, I said 15. You listen to what I tell you. Don't tell me what I didn't tell you. I figured I'd let the whole thing run out. Um, but again, it's great to hear that Rodgers uh, has always treated him well. Again, I think that, that a lot of that comes from his relationship with Brett Favre and how that wasn't super great. And he probably has a lot of regrets, not only about how he handled it, but about the way Brett handled it. And he just wanted things to be better with Jordan. As much as he's kind of built like Brett, has that chip on his shoulder ready to just fight back, he decided that when he was swinging the sledgehammer around he made sure to not hit jordan love final thing on jordan and aaron here's a little uh little something something from jordan about that he texted me a couple times before the playoff games funny a funny one he texted me before the the cowboys game he said don't be like me and throw a pick on your first pass in the playoffs yeah. uh, that was a, fun, a funny little text and uh that's amazing I, I made sure to try and do him right and not not throw a pick but uh yeah it was fun but he hit me up after a lot of the games and it's awesome just to be able to talk to him i love that all right it is kind of funny, too, because, you know, obviously with Rodgers and the Cardinals, which was, I think, the first playoff game that he's referring to, obviously the Packers didn't go on to win, but man, he had a heck of a game. And you look at the parallels there with Jordan and how well he played against Dallas. That's pretty encouraging. But here's the uh, here's a clip of 
Kay Adams and Jordan talking again about his breakout, trying to get it from Jordan's perspective. You lions, yeah. you went crazy. The whole country is watching. Highest rated passer in the NFL, 16 touchdowns to only one interception. Uh, and and from, from then on, that's what it was for you. You were on fire, could not be stopped. What was the moment, and maybe it was this one, what was the moment that the NFL or that the game, I don't know, took a step to the next level or slowed down? What clicked? Yeah, I think uh, throughout that second half of the season, um, you know, I think really after the Steelers game, you know, after we had, you know, went on a stretch of a couple losses, um, and then, you know, we got that, that, that one win, and it, it kind of put us on the streak, gave us a lot of confidence going forward. Um, but I think more than anything, we you know, we just got rolling as a team. Our chemistry got better, um, and, you know, we went through some adversity and came out the other end um, better for it. But uh, I think it's a full team. Um, performance and, and we just found ways to get better and, and find ways to win. What did you learn about yourself in the last game of the season? Um, you know, I, I knew coming into the season that, you know, just how small that margin for areas um, and, you know, especially in the playoffs, it's, it's winner, winner go home. So uh, that margin for error gets even tighter. So um, just, you know, understanding that going into the game, you got to be able to limit mistakes, um, limit turnovers and um, that's what's going to be the, the, the key factor in winning those tough games like that, playoff games. So, um, you know, I think more than anything, we gained some experience going through the playoffs and, um, you know, obviously my first playoff loss um, as a starter. So it's, it's, I think it's all good stuff that's going to help us in the future. There's another clip I'm not going to play, but I found it kind of interesting that uh, it, was, it was, again, Kay Adams and, and Jordan Love, and they were sitting by the Lombardi Trophy, and she said, that's you know, that's the real thing. What does it make you think? And, you know, he said, like, you know, motivation, but he – he was just very unmoved by it, and you, you could take that in a negative way, but you know I do like the way Jordan is very just even keel no matter what. You know when 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 things are bad as well as when things are good. You know some people they look at that and they get all revved up and you know I'm I'm pissed that we didn't win and I'm gonna get back in that da, 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 da. And, and Jordan is just he's just like a robot. It's he is an emotionless machine that just keeps moving, and uh, he, you know just, while everybody else is panicked, it's just it's all good, man. We'll get there, and he just he got better and things got better and. I don't know. It's going to be a fun ride with Jordan. I just, I hope, you know, they talked about how they they gained confidence and that kind of helped them carry on. And, you know, this is two years in a row now where we've seen these sort of really slow starts and things get off to a, you know, a rough patch, especially after, you know, starting week two, three-ish, whatever. And then by midseason, you pick it up. And, you know, in 2022, we didn't get in. In 2023, we did get in. Um, but I think the big thing for the Packers in 2024 is you, you got to start hot. Like you, you got to come in and be the team. That's not to say you can't have down periods. You know, the 49ers face it, the Chiefs, everybody faces these periods where things aren't great. But you got to find a way. And obviously, down the stretch is the most important, especially in the postseason. But um, we, we can't have this half a year where you're just not good. Like you're not a good quarterback. It's not a good defense. You know, we're not on the same page. We're not making good decisions. We're not calling good plays. Like that kind of stuff can't happen. So we've got to come out and just be a good team. Look like a team that is competing for a Super Bowl. Look like that team that went down the stretch. It's not to say you're not going to have games like the 49ers, where it's like, I don't know, it just wasn't quite there that day. And maybe you win that game, maybe you don't. But, you know, again, just consistency from the start to the finish. You can't have a half a season. Anyways, let's uh, take our final break. we got some more of these fun little clips to go through. We'll be right back. More hey, Jordan, I'm a Bears fan. You're ruining my life. 
that was our good buddies over at CHGO again. They had their little booth set up. Dude just jumped up, shook his hands. I'm a Bears fan and you're ruining my life. <laughs> oh, I love that. That I, I, I want to play this clip also. It's like 50% I love it and 50% I'm about to go on an angry rant. But um, it really it, it really does highlight how much Bears fans are terrified of Jordan Love. Like really genuinely terrified. Some of them will go on social media and talk big about it. He's not that... Dude, they are they're losing their minds in dread. So I want to play this one through partially because, again, I love hearing Bears fans talk about how they are terrified of Jordan Love, and then in part because F this guy who, you know, says otherwise. I feel like Jordan Love is getting in the top ten right now. That fucking guy is <laughs> All right, scary. all right. I, 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 I'm going to say this. Yeah. I love Jordan Love. I love Jordan Love. The one, if he's overrated with one group of fans, it's oh, Bears fans. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because okay. they're so scared. We are, oh, yeah. we are. That's 100%. true. They spent all of December yeah. saying, oh, no, it's happening again. They could have been no. in the championship oh, game. I, I wrote that. I, I for completely sure. agree. Yeah. But there's yeah. just so much uh, scar tissue yeah, where they're true. just like, no, 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 yeah. no, no. Yeah. We, this can't happen. He's top 10, almost out of anger. I think he's on track to do that. But I still think We're you're only out. looking at the second half of the season. I, also, by the way, so much of this is Matt freaking LaFleur. Everybody, I wrote a story about Matt for two years ago. And everybody, I said he was, you know, he understood that locker room. He's player-led. He's got the schemes. People were really impressed at the time with, like, Mike McDaniel and McVay and those guys were really impressed with his ability to win over Aaron Rodgers by taking the Shanahan-McVay scheme and mixing it with the Aaron Rodgers scheme, which is heavily involved in Mike McCarthy. Yeah, people forget it was, like, friction that's at the beginning, yes. and then they figured yes. it all and out. They let, they let him audible a little bit more, which is not something the Shanahan system allows for a lot of. Um, they let him keep a lot of the McCarthy plays, spread the ball out, uh, spread the formation out, use his cadence, all that stuff. So they changed the offense. So I knew he was a really good coach. And when I wrote that piece, I had a lot of Bears fans and Vikings fans saying, hey, man, you're, you know, as soon as Rodgers leaves town, LaFleur is going to be exposed. And no, he's a good coach who, who, who allowed, who developed a quarterback to allow them to, there's a reason they got rid of Rodgers when they did. Like, if they had done it a year early, Love wouldn't have been ready. And, you know, he played that game against Kansas City. It was fine. It was two years ago, it was fine. He couldn't handle some of the pressures. They couldn't get him ready in time. But they timed this perfectly. Where they get rid of Rodgers, get a little bit of, uh, of draft capital for him, and Love was ready to go. But I don't think that's about drafting Jordan Love. It's about developing Jordan Love. That's All right, so... First of all, LOL to Bears fans for being terrified of Jordan Love because good. So first of all, I'm just so sick and tired of the excuses. We're never allowed to celebrate anybody because it's somebody else. Matt LaFleur, we got a great coach. No, you don't. It's, it's Aaron Rodgers. Hey, we got a great quarterback. No, you don't. It's Matt LaFleur. Fine. Then he should have won coach of the year. He should have won coach of the year. So the guy came in. He made his scheme work with, with Aaron Rodgers' scheme. They had a very, very good football team. Number one offense in the entire NFL in 2020. Then Rodgers leaves. He makes it work with Jordan Love. But we can't celebrate that because, oh, no, no, it's actually Matt LaFleur all along. But we're not going to recognize Matt LaFleur either because screw him. And also, we're not going to recognize Brian Gutekunst. What, hear what he said at the end? It's not about drafting him. It's about developing him. That's freaking stupid. That doesn't even make any sense. That only makes sense if you assume that you can develop anybody. 
Anybody can be developed into an elite quarterback or running back or anything. It's just about development. No, it's not. You have to draft the right people that have something to develop, that can and will be developed. You have to project that out. And that's what Gutekunst did. But no, can't give Gutekunst credit because it wasn't drafting, it was developing. Can't give the guys that developed him credit because, I don't know, we just don't feel like it. Can't give the guy that got developed credit because it's the people that developed him and call the plays. They're the ones that are actually doing it. And also, the whole thing about, well, you, you guys are over scared. Like, what are you so scared about? That doesn't change anything. You don't need, you're, you're overrating Jordan. It's really Matt LaFleur. It's Matt LaFleur doing what? Making Jordan look amazing? So you're, you're just, you're not doing anything to alleviate the fact that Jordan Love is going to freaking obliterate the Chicago Bears every time he sees them. This has nothing to do with that. You're just shifting it to why he's amazing. Well, it's it's Matt LaFleur that makes him that good. Okay, great. That's a f- very fun little theory you got there. Doesn't change the fact that Jordan Love is out there carving up the NFL. And by the way, the whole, oh, calm down with the top 10 thing. I mean, I think he's on his way there, but calm down. The guy even acknowledged that we're talking about a half a year. We're talking about one half of a year, right? Explain to me how Jordan Love is top 10 in almost every single possible category while only playing well in a half a year, and we're not going to call him top 10. He was top 10 in almost every single ca- relevant category. Number two in touchdowns. But we just, we don't want to talk about it. And what does that even mean? He's not top 10, but he's on his way there. You mean like because of the half a season where he couldn't quite figure it out, he's outside of the top 10, like 11th or 12th in a lot of categories, but next year he's going to be there because you're going to get a full year. And that that's a re like, I'm just wondering what it is you're saying that's actually calming Bears fans down. What about this should be reassuring? And even beyond that, like it's not him, it's Matt LaFleur. Did you watch Jordan Love play? Because I'm sorry, I, I don't think it's it's the play calls with Mr. Dink and Dunk out there just making stuff happen. You have the the number, the, the highest graded, highest whatever quarterback under pressure in the NFL, the best quarterback under pressure. What does Matt LaFleur have to do with that? Nothing. That's Jordan Love. I'm just saying, give people freaking credit. Matt LaFleur should be coach of the year. Jordan Love deserves a lot of credit because this is a guy where, assuming he doesn't just play half a season or, or whatever for the rest of his career, is right now a top 10 quarterback. If he can just continue to be, you know, 90% of what he was the second half, he's a top 10 quarterback. So I guess what I'm trying to say, Bears fans, is I give you full permission to be terrified, okay? Don't listen to this. He's, just, he's trying to say nice things, but nothing he said changes anything. Nothing. Fine, then be afraid of Matt LaFleur. I don't give a crap what you're afraid of. Just stay afraid. <laughs> Anyways, I just got a couple more uh, fun little clips. We'll play these, and then we'll get up out of here. Uh, Micah Parsons had a show, I think it's for Bleacher Report is what the little mic stand thing says, but um, Dallas fans were furious that Micah Parsons had Jordan Love on. I kept seeing his videos pop up that were retweeted by um, Dallas Cowboys fans basically saying, you know, shame on you for bringing this guy on your show. They just beat us and all that stuff. So that was pretty glorious on top of it. And then, and then to make it even better, Jordan Love goes on there and talks a little trash. Trash out there? I, I ain't hear you when we was playing. I, 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 ain't, I ain't hear you. What was there to say? Yeah, that's true. I didn't hear you talking any trash. What am I supposed to say? Here he is talking to um, Micah about their strategy and their game plan to beat Dallas. I picked on, uh, like, show us how you, your growth, how you dissected the game, mm-hmm. what you thought we were in, 
Um, obviously, made uh, some great plays extending with your legs. Mm-hmm. But just dive into what was your strategy, uh, philosophy of how to, you know, break down our defense. Yeah, man. I think the the key for us going into the game was we, we needed to run the ball. Like That was a huge thing. Obviously, we played y'all the year before, and I felt like we ran the ball pretty well. So um, just going against y'all, I'm, like, I'm not trying to talk, but I, y'all, y'all linebackers, you know, I think y'all had a DB playing linebacker. Um, I don't know, but... <laughs> I don't want to say it or anything, but your linebackers, I mean, they're kind of, uh, you know... So anyways... Like, that was our goal, was to be able to run the ball, and it was going to set everything else up. And obviously, uh, I think y'all biggest weapon is y'all pass rush. And so, um, great DBs over there, too, but I feel like they rely on the pass rush, you know what I mean? When you've got a great pass rush, you you thinking the quarterback going to get the ball out of his hands quick. And so we were able to, you know, take advantage of that by, you know, get some chips on you, slow you down a little bit. Uh, D. Lawrence, slow him down a little bit. But man, I knew I was going to have to hang in that pocket, take a couple hits from you, take a couple hits from those guys. Um, but I, the guys we had at receiver, man, I, I was confident that they were going to go out there and um, do what they needed to do against y'all DBs, yeah, sure. man. But. <laughs> some subtle trash talk. He, he, he trashed the, uh, the linebackers. And then he goes on to trash the corners. Basically, he was saying, like, your whole defense is your pass rush and everybody else is, is, is garbage. I was confident our wide receivers would be able to beat your DBs. That's not an issue. And I figured we could run against your trash linebackers. So we just needed a plan for uh, you and the other guy, and uh, we'd be all right. Turns out, completely true. This is posted by a Cowboys fan, by the way. He says, Jordan Love telling Mark Micah Parsons exactly what the game plan was to beat the Cowboys. This is so cringe. The fact that Micah is asking him these questions after a loss like that isn't it. The Cowboys need an exorcism. Dallas fans are so hurt by what the Packers did that the fact that, a, that I mean, legitimately angry. Like, this isn't even the angriest stuff I've seen. Legitimately angry that Micah would dare to sit down with a Green Bay Packer after what they did. I mean, it was like the Packers committed some form of treason against America's team. There's a comment down below says, Micah just talks so nonchalantly. Several exclamation points, angry emojis. WTH, the most embarrassing game, and you want to rehash their brilliant plan like you didn't know? Cowboys losing is equivalent to a bad employee being late or no-show at work for me. He says further down below, Jimmy Johnson would be looking for a trade partner for Micah with this kind of BS. Absolutely would never happen, by the way. <laughs> There's literally calls in the comments section that say, I, I honestly want Micah off this team so much. Micah Parsons. One of the best pass rushers in the entire NFL, and Cowboys fans want him off the team because he interviewed Jordan Love. Manny G, they really need to clean house. Parsons would be the first one gone for me. I'd trade him ASAP. Micah don't seems to have no dog in him. Below that it says, and supposedly he's that dog that all our fans talk about. Man, this is terrible. He's so GD soft. I want to throw the F up. Embarrassing. So cringe, embarrassing effort from the defense. Like, I want D-Law gone. After this, he said on first take, Micah with his podcast, get some LBs and beef in the interior disgrace. Bro, I didn't know Dallas Cowboys fans were so freaking unhinged, man. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. There's Packer fans that are crying about Jair and, and Rashawn and everything else. But, I mean, to have it, like, unanimous down the line, there's like two or three people saying, dude, calm down. But for the most part, everybody wants them gone. I just, I can't even, I, I didn't know this level of crazy was out there. And then finally, on the topic of game plan, here is uh, 
Jordan Love talking about Aaron Jones and how pivotal pivotal he is to this football team. Yeah, man. Why was Aaron following me all game like that, bro? Aaron Jones. Yeah, I I did we, not expect that bro, out of him, bro. Well, that's the thing. Our game plan, like we we have specific play calls where it's like, all right, we chipping. We're gonna get the tight end, the running back chipping you. We got you know stud jet protection where we we going after the stud, man. You and but Jonesy in that game, bro, he did some phenomenal stuff. It was sometimes we was doing play action stuff where he just he, he checking for like the nickel coming off the edge, and if he not coming, he's supposed to get on his route. And my fault. And he would feel you beat one of our our old linemen, and he would just bro, instinct I, just just go to chip you and, and help in bro, protection. I, it was unbelievable. Like it was on most of those inside rushes, I was like, no way he's supposed to be there, like, bro. He was not. He, and that's just that's just the player he is, where he's at in, in the league, man. To 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 know how good of a rusher you are, and just be able to pick you up and, and help, you know, give me some time back there. Because nah, there was a couple of them. If he wouldn't have did that. I don't know. Bro, that, like, I, I, I like, don't know. Like, I'm talking about this like, yo, like what, like, what is going on? Like, that was tough. Like, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I saw him yesterday. I was like, bro, I, I was like, I don't know if he was supposed to do that. Like, he was just doing that. Like, he freestyling out there and, and, and picking up and doing some great things. And he, he Jones, he's not the biggest dude, bro. He's not. He's not the, but he got a lot of heart, bro. Nah, he bro, did. He, he got a lot of heart right there. He did. I, I, was, I was like, that was tough. That was, that, was, that was tough. Anyways, guys, I hope you have a really good Super Bowl. Uh, make sure you send all the pictures of all the food you guys are making. I'll try to get you guys the pictures of mine. Hopefully it turns out all right. If it does, I'll get you a little recipe. I got to start doing that more because I've made some phenomenal food in my day. And uh, if for nothing else, I can document it for myself because I never remember what the heck I'm doing. Maybe I'll just do it up big, man. Should I just do it up big? Make like a batch of mac and cheese and stuff, you know what I mean? I should. Just just have a Super Bowl freaking bash. And it's just me eating the stuff. <laughs> just gain 40 freaking pounds. But after that, I'm going to be real responsible. Until Valentine's Day, I'm going to go out and uh, and uh, gain a bunch of weight. But after that, I'm be real responsible. But enjoy your day. I'll be talking to you. Uh, keep an eye out to see if there's any... If there's a stream, I'll try to get it out there and let you know. I got nothing else going on. Maybe, probably, I don't know. Who knows what I have going on? But have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.